Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and we're going to continue in our trek through this great prayer, the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. It is uh, the pinnacle of prayer, if you will, in uh, the scriptures. We, we look at this great passage of scripture, and we've been talking about kingdom prayer because God is calling his people to look beyond themselves in their praying, especially here in America. We know that we're in desperate need of the Lord. We're in desperate need of God to do what only God can do through revival, to revive his church, but also to awaken lostness to the desperate need that lost people have of Jesus Christ. And as God's people, we must begin in these days to look beyond who we are. Most of our praying is about us. It's about what God, what we want God to do for us. The, the agenda that we have for God to work out and through and in our lives. But what we see in John chapter 17 is something entirely different. It is a great challenge from Jesus, our Savior, to look at what we're praying toward. And to realize that we are here for the kingdom. Uh, more so we are here for the king. And we're here as his instruments. And we join him in his wondrous work as we pray and we intercede and we ask of him. So that the nations might come unto him. In John chapter 17 Jesus is praying missionally. Uh, it, it's, it's found in a body of material called the Farewell Discourses of Jesus. In the Farewell Discourses of Jesus, John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus is helping his followers understand a number of things, but there are two things that are primary. Number one, he's helping them to understand their need to prepare for his departure. They need to be ready. Because Jesus is leaving them in physical bodily form. But he, he promises them the great comforter, doesn't he? John chapter 14. It's, 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 it's that paraclete. It's the comforter who will come and never leave you. And so he helps them to understand that. He teaches them, if you will, about the role of the Holy Spirit. Not only as the comforter, but as the one who convicts concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He draws them to understand that as he leaves, he's not leaving them alone. And this great text in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe what? Also in me. Many of us have been comforted by those words. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And that's where I am, what? There ye may be also. But more importantly, Jesus is preparing them not only for his departure, but for their mission. And it's in the midst of that that we have John chapter 17. It is prayer preparation for the mission. Because you see, this is plan A, that he would send his followers into the world to make known he is the resurrected Christ. He is the one who has risen from the dead. And life comes through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so he teaches them about relationship, John chapter 15, that they must abide in him. And in his departure and as the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell in them, they are to abide. If you abide in me and I in you, what? You beareth much fruit. For apart from me, what? You can do nothing. And Jesus is helping his followers see this utter dependence upon the Father. In John chapter 17 in this great prayer, we come to this moment when he prays and he lifts up his eyes, verse 1, and he cries out, Father. And in this first section in verses 1 through 5, we looked at this weekend that Jesus teaches us about kingdom prayer. Kingdom prayer is about focusing on the Father. It is God-centered prayer. Kingdom prayer is about God's hour, God's purposes, because he cries out, the hour has come. Kingdom prayer is about glorifying the Father. Kingdom prayer is about the giving of eternal life. Kingdom prayer is about dying to self. If we're ever going to pray toward the kingdom, we must die. We must die to ourselves. We must cry out, Oh, Father, it's not my will, but what? It's your will that must be done. Last night we looked at this whole element of praying for one another as God's people. And how Jesus prayed for his followers. How he prayed specific things that they might truly take the the message of the Christ into the world. That they might be effective in taking that. That they might be sent. This is a sending gospel. This is where Jesus would say, just as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So he's preparing them and he prays for them. It teaches us a lot about how we can pray for one another as his people. How we can pray that we might be sent. And it's interesting that the first thing he prays is in verse 11. He prays for character. That they might be kept in the name of Christ. That they might be kept in who he is. Intimacy, fellowship. They might be drawn near. Like a, like a mother hen will draw her chicks under her wings. That his followers might be near to him. And they might truly emulate. They might be the image of God through through the Christ who lives in them, that they might truly walk in intimacy with him in such a way that their lives will bubble over into the world in which we live, that the fruit of God's Spirit would truly, truly be manifested through his followers, that they would walk in the integrity of who he is, that their walk would match their talk, that they would be Christian, that they would be followers of Christ, and truly that the world would recognize that, that they would be genuine Genuine in their faith. They would walk in the integrity of their faith. Wow. What a great prayer. Oh, brothers and sisters, it challenges every one of us here to pray. To pray toward that in our lives. If we're ever going to be witnesses, we must impact the pagan culture by being Christ-like. Christ's character must flow out of our hearts and our lives. And Jesus knew that, and he prayed that for his followers. He prayed for protection from the evil one. It's interesting that he also teaches that in Matthew chapter 6. But he prayed that they would be protected, guarded. We are dependent upon the Father. Oh, yes, we as God's people are utterly dependent upon God. 
for protection from the evil one. And we're not just talking about physical. Yes, he is the devil. Yes, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Yes. He is the roaring lion and wanting to devour all that he can. But he is wanting to trip us and destroy the witness of Christ through our lives. And so through temptation and through his traps, he'll do that. And we're dependent. And so we must pray for one another. When's the last time you prayed for someone to be protected from the evil one? Not just traveling mercies, but someone to be protected in their spiritual walk, in their lives from Satan and his temptations. They're real. They come every day at each and every one of us if we're born again in Christ. And Jesus teaches us here. But thirdly, he teaches us in verse 17 to pray toward the sanctification, the setting apart in his truth of God's people. We must pray in that. We must be holy. We must be different. We as God's people must truly portray Christ, yes, but we must walk in that holiness as his people. It's not about looking like, looking like the world or acting like the world so that we will attract the world. No, it's about acting like Christ and looking like Christ. It's about his truth permeating our lives that we might walk in the wisdom and strength and power of Christ in our lives. So he prays toward that. And then in verse 20, we move this morning to the last two things that he prays. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. There's a shift here. At this moment, Jesus moves to what we would call long-range prayer. He looks down through the ages. He's not just looking at those who have followed him. He's looking down through the ages to the generations of believers, even to us and beyond us. You can actually say Jesus is praying for us right here. He's not just praying for his followers, but for those who will believe. For those who will believe. And it's interesting Then in verse 21, the first thing he prays for his people down through the ages in order that the mission might move forward. Now, you must think about this. It's very missional so that the kingdom might march forward is for oneness. Look what he prays. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Very interesting. Jesus is praying, of course, toward that intimacy. You never get away from relationship in prayer in John chapter 17. It is central. It is at the heart of who we are. We walk in a relationship with the Father. We walk in in, in that relationship through the Christ who lives in us, through his Spirit. And that oneness that we have as God's people comes through the Spirit of Christ. He's, he's not talking about the way we look, that we would all dress alike or we'd all look alike, have our hair cut alike. We might have our earring, might not have our earring. He's not talking about those external things or even those things uh, we worship alike or we, we do the things that we do alike uh, in church, the polity, the, 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 whatever it is, uh, the processes, all of those things, we as God's people should not be interested 
and seeing that those things are a part of oneness. No, oneness is spiritual oneness that's found in him because of his spirit that lives in us. And as we surrendered and walked in and walking in that spirit, we become one in him. That means that we go across denominational lines. You know, the old the old joke about Baptists is Uh, you know, people need to be quiet when they walk by the Baptists in heaven because we think that we're the only ones there. (laughs) But God's Spirit brings us together as His people. Now, I'll never forget, I was on a flight out to California. Uh, uh, This was pre-9-11 because I got a meal on that. (laughs) You know, so it's different now. Uh, anyway, I was in coach and I was flying, and and so I got this meal, and I, so I bow my head and I get ready to pray, and the lady sitting next to me from uh, of Asian descent, and her daughter was in the window. She reached over and grabbed my arm. You know, an airplane, you don't usually get in people's space. So so I immediately looked over, and and she had this radiant smile on her face, and she looked at me and she says, "You a follower of Christ too?" I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she says, will you pray for our meal too? I said, yes, ma'am, I will. And I prayed. And, and, and you know, it's so interesting. For the next three and a half, four hours, we had this great fellowship in God's Holy Spirit. And, and, and it was like we'd known each other all our lives. We, but we were talking about Christ. He brought that fellowship. He brought that oneness now, I didn't know her from Adam's house cat. You ever heard that saying? <laughs> but, but, but the thing about it is, is, is so real. Is that the Spirit of Christ brought oneness in our hearts as we talked about who Christ is in our lives. <laughs> I'll never see her again until I get to heaven. Hallelujah. And we will rejoice. But you see, what Jesus is wanting in his body is that kind of oneness. Brothers and sisters, we can come together, and all the church in America must come together. Our backs are against the wall. And we must come together in oneness. And here's the reason. I love verse 21, the last part. That the world may believe that you sent me. Oneness in his mission, oneness in his purposes, oneness in who he is, that is the oneness that he's speaking of. We get so hung up on agendas and and personal desires in the life of the body of Christ, and they tear us apart. I mean, there are people in churches who are sitting there, and they're angry with people, and they haven't spoken to them in the life of the church because of the color of the carpet, and they disagreed upon it. How crazy is that? But as the people of God, we must see this as a reality of what the Lord is trying to say. If we're going to see the world believe that the Father sent the Son, this is not about us. This is not about our personal preferences. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about what God wants to do to impact lostness in this world. So when we begin to see it from his perspective, we realize we lay down those little personal uh, uh, quirks in our lives. We're patient. 
with one another. And I love what the Lord prays toward here. Look at what he prays. Verse 21, he says, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they all may, that, that they, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. There it is again. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are. So where, we, where, where does that oneness come from? It comes from the glory, the manifest presence of Christ that's manifested in our lives through his Holy Spirit, that glory of Christ, his redemptive glory, that's where that oneness comes from. He gives that to us. Oneness is his gift. Oneness is, 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 is as he finds hearts and lives that are focused on him and surrendered in him, he through their lives can bring oneness to the body of Christ. Are you someone that Christ can use through the manifestation of his glory because you have set your heart on Christ and Christ alone? You see, verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Oh, look at what he's saying. The love of Christ. Ha! Ah. You see, the way this is worked out in the lives of Christians is, to me, just truly wonderful because what Christ is saying is that the love of God that is manifested in our lives and through our lives through the Spirit of Christ who dwells in us is that very thing as it is manifested among his people that allows us to demonstrate to a lost world that the Father loves them because we manifest that love toward one another. Now, listen to what Paul would say about the agape love of Christ that dwells in us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It, 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 it keeps no record of wrongs. It, it, it never fails. And you see, what happens is as we are patient, as we are kind, as, as we, we do not remember the wrongs, we, we do not envy, as those things are manifested in our lives among us as God's people, then the world begins to stand up and they say, that kind of love I do not know. That kind of love I want. That kind of love I wish I had. And all of a sudden, they are interested in Christ. So how we doing? How we doing on manifesting that love toward one another? Are we patient? Are we kind? Can your neighbors see Christ because of the way you treat other believers? Do they see that? You see, Jesus is praying toward oneness. 
Because when God's people are focused on Him, in their spirit, as they walk with Him, in oneness with Him, the love of Christ is demonstrated through their lives, and the lost world begins to realize He is the Christ. The lost world in America is not realizing he is the Christ. So what's that tell us? Finally, he prays this as we look toward this last thing, verse 24, Father. You'll see this. Father is used six times throughout the prayer. But... This is the last direct petition that he asks, I desire. This is the heartfelt desire, the emotive desire, the passionate desire of our Savior. I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Wow. What a prayer. This is the passion of Christ. As he moves toward the cross, his passion is that his followers might be with him. Now, of course, there are what we would call eschatological understandings here. (laughs) There are underpinnings here. Of course, he's talking about heaven. Folks, we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. We look to heaven, and it will be great to be with Jesus, won't it? And some days that that, uh, perspective of heaven looks a whole lot better than others. But that's not just what he's talking about. Remember, context is very important. The context here is mission. The context is he is helping his believers as he prays for them, And the generations to come, down through the ages, to understand the mission. And so he prays for them to accomplish that mission. And so he's not just speaking about heaven. He's also speaking about the mission. So we know that he is saying we want to be with him where he is. Okay? So where is Jesus? Have you ever asked that question? Where are you, Lord? Well, he's in heaven. He wants us in heaven, of course. He lives in us, of course, the spirit. He wants us with him in that intimacy, in that fellowship. But he wants us with him in the Great Commission, too. Because that's where he is. He's in the mission. He says, I I want you with me. So that that purpose clause, that you might see my glory. His manifest, redemptive work. He is the Christ. And he is about redeeming a lost humanity. Oh, my goodness. Look at what he's trying to say. He's saying, you want to be with me where I am? 
That means one day you'll be with me in heaven. Be sure of your eternal life. You're here today and you're not sure of your eternal life with Christ. You can settle that in just a few moments. You'll have the opportunity to do that. But, but as the people of God, he wants us with him in intimacy. What about your walk with Christ? You know, I mean, let's just get to the brass tags. Where are we really in intimacy with Christ? Are we putting up a facade on Sunday morning and we walk in the church and, and we might dress up real nice, but really in our hearts we know they're far away. Our heart is very far away from Christ. And his desire, his prayer for his people, if we're going to be on mission with him, is that we might be walking truly day by day in deep intimacy with him. Is that true in your life? Or are you just cruising? Or are you just coasting? But he wants us with him in the Great Commission to behold his glory, y'all. That's how the body impacts lostness. It's because we're with him. So here's my question to you. Where is Jesus here in Rock Hill, South Carolina? Where is he? Could he be right down the street in the Walmart? Could he be across the street in your neighbor's home? Where is he? And how is that affecting the way you pray? Do you know where he is? I had a gentleman one time when I preached on this came up to me and he said with tears in his eyes I don't know where Jesus is but I'm going to find out. You see most of our praying is oh Father be with us. Bless us. Do what we want you to do, Father, and everything will be okay. But that's not Jesus' prayer. We can learn from our Lord here that we might, it might do us well as the church in America to begin to pray, Oh, Father, we want to be with you where you are. You think that might change our day sometimes? Instead of saying, Father, will you just be where we are? We're going to set the agenda. We're going to set the tone. We're going to go where we're going to go. And, and will you just bless everything we're doing? Or would it be better for us to pray like Jesus? Father, we desire to be with you where you are. That we might behold your redemptive glory at work in and through our lives. That we might be instruments in your hand. That truly we might join your wondrous work. Oh, Father. Wow. Wow. You know, Henry Blackaby made, through experiencing God, helped us understand the seven realities of determining God's will. Find out where God is and join him. Maybe, as God's people, we would do well to pray in that way. Father, I want to be with you. I want to be with you where you are at work in my spouse's life, in my children's lives.
I want to be with you, Father, in the lives of fellow believers. I want to be with you, Father, in the life of, of lost people in our community, neighbors. And I want to be with you, Father, where you are. I want to be in step with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be in intimacy with you. I want to grow in my understanding what it means to be a follower of yours. It's like Jesus prayed in John 7, 29. I know him. Or he commented to the religious leaders. He says, but I know him. I am from him. And he has sent me. You see, Jesus was very sure about all of that. And it, 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 it allowed him to be sent like a flint toward Jerusalem. Wow. So this morning, how are you praying? It really does matter what we pray toward. Jesus is teaching us that right here. And if we're going to be the instrument that God would use to impact lostness all around us as his people, we must be people who are walking with a kingdom heart and a kingdom mindset. Because it's about him and it's not about us. It's about what he's doing and it's not about what we're doing. It's about what he's doing through us and with us and in us. And we begin that with prayer. Let's bow our hearts this morning. Bow our heads. Father, thank you this morning for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path. Teach us, Lord, to pray as your people. That we might be one. Lord, make us one. Help us to lay down our own agendas. That we might unite together, not just as a church, but as churches in this whole area to impact the lostness that's all around here, that's growing exponentially right here. Oh, Father, make us one. But, oh, Lord, we pray that we will be with you where you are because our deepest desire is, is, is not just heaven, Lord. Oh, we, we look forward to that. But, oh, Father, our deepest desire is to be with you in intimacy and in fellowship that there would be that unbroken relationship. And, and Lord, to be with you where you are, we want to be used as instruments in your hand of your mission of proclaiming you to the nations, O oh God. So help us to be with you that we might behold your glory. So teach us to pray. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And all God's people said,